you know, you got to know what you can do, but you got to, you know, more importantly, you got to know what you're not capable of as well, right? You know, we have to be honest with ourselves about our skill set and abilities and body type and strength and, and where we are in this moment. And, and obviously that doesn't mean we will be there for forever, but before we can put it together a plan of where we want to go, we have to understand where we are today. Play the game. Play the situation that is handed to you. It doesn't matter how we got here. Own it. Own it like you chose it. Own it like you pulled the card. It doesn't matter how we got here. Play the game. It's important because culture and and consistency and doing the right thing, it, it doesn't just stop when you leave the field. Fellas, 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 welcome back to the Farm System Podcast, your home for baseball development. We're here for you, by you, and with you. I'm your co-host, Joey Cunha. And I'm Bo Callis. This podcast is designed for coaches, players, scouts, really anyone looking to further their development in the game of baseball. Here at the Farm System, we take pride in being lifelong learners, and we are here to be a bridge from where you are to where you're going. We'd like to welcome back our veteran listeners. We're happy to grow with you again. We'd also like to welcome our first-time listeners, the rookies. Don't worry, every vet was once a rookie. This podcast is brought to you by our partners over at Yakertech. Yakertech is the gold standard for measuring spin rate, velocity, trajectory, and most important, spin axis of a pitched ball. No other system captures such clarity of a moving ball. Learn more about their system at yakertech.com. On this episode, Bo and I sit and go over some of the questions that you guys brought forward. Pull up a seat, grab your notepad, here's Bo and Joe. Welcome back to another episode of The Farm Unfiltered. Joey, my man, excited to be back on the mic with you and have the opportunity to share some knowledge through the airwaves with the listeners tuning in today and for those that are listening and know how we typically do these unfiltered episodes, Joey and I wanted to change it up a little bit this week and get you guys more involved. Uh, you know we appreciate your help to this point and want to continue to provide valuable information in the areas that you want us to. So to start off the show, Joey, we've got a question from a former teammate of ours, the Australian ball slinger Brad Williams. Uh, Brad was the ace of our Sterling College pitching staff that made the run in that 2016 NEI World Series and he wants us to open up the importance of players understanding their body and how to use it effectively and efficiently, and then figuring out what works and doesn't work for them. So why don't you start by chipping away at this a little bit, Joey? Yeah, no, I mean, obviously, uh, multiple layers there that you can dive into. And, you know, I think it's, I think it's huge in the sense of, you know, you got to know what you can, what you can do, but you got to, you know, more importantly, you got to know what you're not capable of as well, right? Um, so like, you know, a coach's old school term that they say all the time is, you know, like stay within yourself, right? Like that's a, a common uh, term that you use quite often. And um, guys can interpret that a lot of different ways. But um, one thing that's very important, I, I feel like uh, from that sense is, you know, even uh, when you're going into things, you got to know uh, like what your stamina is like. You got to know, um, again, do you need uh, what, one thing that we used to always have? And correct me if I'm wrong, Bo, here, but I, I think it was uh, Dinkle that used to always talk about this is just knowing what level um, of intensity you needed to play at, Yeah. right? Um, and he used to talk about that, right? Like, okay, if you know you play your best 
um, out of four, like, why would you play, you know, out of seven? Why would you get yourself all hyped up um, and burn all this? Because, uh, you know, a lot of people, if, if you're not used to operating at a very, like, high intensity, when you actually do, you I mean, obviously, that's going to deplete you. And that's something um, that maybe is not common knowledge in the sense of, like, baseball, but mm-hmm. very common knowledge in the sense of, like, um, you know, like fighting or, you know, martial arts and stuff like that, right? Um, those guys are very conscious of like where they're expending their energy, um, especially when they get closer and closer to the fights, right? So like if a, if it's a guy, he needs to be calmer. You'll you hear guys they'll be playing um, even in the sense of like music that they're listening to, right? Like mm-hmm. they're trying to make sure that they stay in a certain state, um, that they don't burn um, a whole bunch of focus or mental uh, capacity or or energy, and then also um, you know obviously when it comes to the body. Um, what where their their expenditure is going to happen because they're going to basically deplete themselves when they get into the to the arena, right? Yeah. Um, and so when they get when they when they get all that all those things going, like that's that's very common knowledge in other other places. But it, the same applies to you know I, I even more I would say in baseball because of the length of the season, yeah. right? So you know if you're just doing that from every single game, you're getting yourself into an arousal that is uh, much you know, higher stimulus than what you, that makes you successful, right. Mm -hmm. Or that you can uphold, right. Um, very long season, obviously not a sprint. Right. So I think, I think those are, you know, kind of for starters, I think you just got to understand the emotional state and what that looks like and where you play at your best when it comes to an emotional state, especially when, uh, you have the length of the season at baseball is, but what do you got, Bo? No. Yeah. I mean, I agree with that. And you know, when I take a look at this, I had a completely different perspective while I was playing. Um, I always wanted to find the drill or the quick fix to the symptoms I was experiencing, you know, on my swing or, or in the weight room, wherever it was. And I think a lot of people fall victim to that. And I wasn't necessarily looking at it from the big picture that I just wasn't fully aware how my body moved and what allowed me or didn't allow me to be the most efficient. And, um, you know, I don't think it's necessarily my fault. I don't think it's necessarily players faults today you know we grow up idolizing and watching superstars on tv and we want to hit and stand and move just like them but you know it's important to remember that we aren't them you know we have to be honest with ourselves about our skill set and abilities and body type and strength and, and where we are in this moment and you know, obviously that doesn't mean we'll be there for forever but before we can put it together a plan of where we want to go we have to understand where we are today and Obviously, that's where the coaching and strength and development come into play, and that's when I really started to turn into more of a baseball player instead of someone who played baseball was when I got in the weight room and put on some muscle and learned how to get in my legs and be stable and turn those weak positions into, you know, strengths and, and, and strong positions because, you know, my problem was I, I trained a certain one certain way and, um, you know, my starting positions and my ending positions, I was pretty strong, but what took place in between um, you know, I necessarily was, and I was kind of weak. So, you know, I was at the plate in the field, stealing bases. You know, whatever it may have been. You know, I I had the I had the moments I'd played a lot, but my body wasn't developed. It wasn't caught up with with my level of play. And I think if you're a coach, uh, you know, you can see your player's ability or inability to move by putting them in some of these constraint positions, like you know, a, a, a single leg squat, you know, hinge position, split squat, whatever it may be see those weaknesses. So why don't you touch on Joey or, you know, open up a little bit with your experience on that as far as gaining strength and, and, and self-organization and then, you know, what worked out for you? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, 
I realized pretty early on, especially being, um, you know, I'm, I'm not the, I'm not the biggest guy. So I realized, you know, early on that being that I was going to need to be strong. Um, that was one of the things, you know, especially to, you know, any, any guys that one thing, one thing, the like rate of force development is very important for athleticism. And especially to, if you want guys, uh, to be able, if you want to, in any case, in rate of force development, if that's for sprinting, if that's for generating speed and you're, um, you know, when you're uh, throwing, if you're hitting anything like that, right. The, the quicker that you can, uh, develop force is, is the best, uh, best athletes in the world develop uh, force a lot quicker than other athletes. Right. So I knew, uh, that I needed to gain strength. And I think early, you know, again, being aware of that, um, I put it, I placed an emphasis on that. I know I remember my first, uh, I was actually too, when I got into college, I was still 17 for about, uh, two and a half months into college. Um, Jeez. I was young for my, my age. So, and, and like, so when I was uh, still 17, my, you know, I'm 155 pounds is what yeah. I walked in at. Um, so I walked in at 155 pounds and my coach was just like, Hey, like you need to put some size on. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, at that point, you know, not only for me, just understanding that myself, that I was, you know, just a smaller athlete and plus two, you know, I was only, you know, five, eight, five, nine. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, so when evaluating that, I knew that, you know, that was gonna be a bigger part of my game that somewhere I needed to place a lot of emphasis on, you know, I could be little, but I need to be strong. Right. Yeah. Um, and so when, you know, at the time I wouldn't say, while I did place, place an emphasis on that, uh, maybe a little bit misguided. Um, we, you know, I think, I think at a lot of times it's, it has nothing to do with, you have some hurdles, you know, especially at like some of those lower levels, like we didn't have a strength coach. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, like our strength coach is our coach. Right. And yeah. so with that, we don't even, you know, at different parts of the year, while it might be important for, let's say, you know, me or another guy, you know, that the problem is, is everything becomes very genetic. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, generic, generic, right? Yeah. So, so it becomes very generic and it's just like everybody going through certain things. I mean, we're doing, you know, there's a lot of times when, what's one of the easiest things to go in the weight room when you have a ton of people and not that much equipment is just to get on there and we just started doing circuits, right? Yeah. Well, like. For me at the time, like the circuit stuff, you know, well, yeah, was it going to get me tired? Sure. You know, sure. Mm -hmm. But the problem was, is it wasn't going to force me to make the adaptations that I needed to make uh, that were going to transfer onto the field. And so while I got us moving and definitely, you know, again, some of our players that, uh, you know, we lived somewhere, you know, in College of the Siskiyous, it's, it's cold. Right. Yeah. The majority of the year, it's, 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 it's cold up there for, uh, you know, you guys that are used to dealing with snow and all that other stuff, you know what that looks like. There's players that get fat. Right? Yeah. There's guys that don't run. There's guys that, you know, yeah, there is that general shape. I mean, don't get me wrong. We don't need to be marathon runners, right? We don't need to have cardio. That's, you know, insane. But at the same time too, there is a base level, right? Yeah. And some of the, and some of these guys were like, just depleted they weren't in shape like they didn't they didn't take care of themselves so especially because the weather they weren't used to it they didn't know um you know i was a psycho and working out at the house for like an hour and a half every day if we whatever <laughs> we did at practice or whatever so yeah. like i was always in shape but yeah i mean i think that was a big a big thing is sure we you know we worked out we did those other things but i, I don't think that at the time i added uh you know it, there is that base point that you do need to be aware that you need to do these things but at the same time too i think at the time and again going down a completely different rabbit hole that i was not doing the right stuff yeah. um majority of the time when it came to like my training yeah
I guess what I'm trying to get at with all this is like, do you think the this responsibility? I mean, obviously it's the player's responsibility, but player development mm-hmm. and coaching staff from like a young age. Think back to when you were ten to when you were you know done playing with Dinkle. Do you think that at yeah. some point the coaches and the instructors need to? You kind of have to build the machine before you can tell the machine how to work. I feel like sometimes it's kind of backwards. Yeah. You're trying to yeah. teach the yeah. movements, but they're just not ready or else they don't know how their body moves in space. They don't know how to control these movements. So how do you think that coaches and instructors need to balance that with the player's responsibility? Yeah. So we would talk about that. You know, we call it like kinesthetic awareness, yeah. right? So like, this is the thing is if you think about it like this, and this is something we talk about all the time is when you go to, let's say you go to a team, right? Let's say you have, you know, a little league team, I don't know, wait, 15, 16 people. I don't know, somewhere around there, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, after all the practices, all the games, there's only one kid that goes to shortstop, maybe two as a backup, right? Mm-hmm. The kid that goes to the shortstop, and the can and if you if you think about that, at the end of the day, the kid that goes to shortstop might not be your best athlete, right? But he might mm-hmm. be your best baseball player. Right. Mm-hmm. And the kid and the kid that goes to shortstop. And the reason I put it this way is not necessarily saying he's not your best athlete. Right. But you when you look at that, when we talk about best athlete, like we're saying, like, OK, is this guy the fastest player on the team? Right. Can he jump the highest on the team? Right. Maybe he can. Maybe he can't. Right. Is he the best overall athlete with strength, all those other things? Or right. Is he the guy that is just your best baseball player? And yeah, maybe he might be generally fast, maybe or quick, right? Yeah, That's more different. Maybe mm-hmm. generally quick, right? But he's also the guy that, like, you know, he just learns quicker than other guys, right? If you and let's say if you were to go play ping pong, he's probably going to beat you, yeah. right? If you were to go do any of these other, you know, small things that take a lot of kinesthetic awareness, uh, spatial awareness, proprioception, a lot of these other things uh, in other sports, um, there's a reason why, and it's not, it's not a it's not just an assumption that baseball players, when they go play other sports, especially regarding things that take a lot of uh, those different areas, right? Mm-hmm. That they do well, right? We're, we're yeah. doing one of the hardest things in all the sports. That thing flying through the air <laughs> at that rate of speed and us trying to hit it with a dang club, right? That's not an easy thing to do and try to yeah. hit that thing hard, right? And to do that and to do that at the yeah. level that we do from a very young age, that's something that is that is a special skill, right? So what just like what you're saying is, is one approach that we've taken is if you look at all the different levels, like if you look at the Astros last year, right. Or uh, two Mm -hmm. years ago, when they, when you look at the infield, right. You got Bregman, Correa, Altuve, and then also Gonzalez was playing first, right. Those are all shortstops. They were every single one Mm -hmm. of them were shortstops. They came up through their system as shortstops, right. They're all shortstops. So like when you look at that and then you go and you look at the outfield, 90% 90% of those guys shortstops. When you look at when you look at the um you know the pitchers in the MLB, those guys all at one point most likely shortstops. Right? Like you don't know how many yeah. guys that we get that are just shortstops that were all shortstops. Like we have a guy that um he got drafted by an organization and he would never pitched. He was just a shortstop. They drafted him as a pitcher because he he went to one tryout yeah. and they threw him on the mound and he threw like 89 or 90 or something like that. Right. And they picked him up. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So he wasn't even a pitcher. So my one approach that we take and something that's very important, I think, for youth in that way is that you want to train all of your players to be shortstops. Right. Yeah. And 
the reason that we take that is you want your, all your guys to be the best baseball players and then build, you know, kinesthetic awareness. Like then you get into the steps of, okay, like, what do you do? How do you create that? Right. And I think that's the big point. Um, when we made that distinction and we started trying to create short stops, right. As many short stops as we could, that really changed how I would go about training guys and how I'd go about, you know, like it gave me a path in that way. So yeah, I mean, that, that, that'd be like my, my first, you know, thoughts there yeah. initially when we're talking about like what, what you're trying to create, especially at that youth level. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, I've always heard every college coach I played for as well. They always recruit shortstops and center fielders. They're, yeah. they're versatile. They, they're aware of their body. They can play everywhere. They're adaptable. And I think that's very important from a young age. And, and you make a great point. We actually we're kind of arguing this in the group that I was in the other day, kind of going down a rabbit hole here, but I think it's applicable. We're talking about crossover between different sports and why baseball players are typically better transitioning to different sports than um, other athletes are coming to baseball. And yeah. I think it is that proprioception, understanding where your body moves in space and being able to make adjustments on the fly. Because baseball is very, very skill set. Like it's very, you have to be able to control your body in space. Where, I mean, don't get me wrong, these other sports do, but that's what we've been doing since we were young kids. So exactly. um, it's it's a different level of training and it's a different level of body awareness. And that's why I think I always challenge kids to play baseball, even if they don't love it, because, you know, you're going to learn more about your body and, and how it moves. How do you want to train that? I mean, obviously, everybody can't play short. So yep. do you think people should just train as short stops or do you think that? They should go to a team where they're able to do that or, or, or what does that look like? No, it's a really good question. That's something that we definitely need to tap on. So when I, um, when I say we're training everybody shortstop, doesn't mean we send them to shortstop, right? Yeah. What that means is we train them just at a high level, like we would our shortstops and, and we do a different, a whole bunch of different things with that. So let's get the, let's give clarification and I'll kind of give. Um, some application. So kinesthetic, what that means is it's, you know, I just looked at the definition for everybody. So relating to a person's awareness of the position and movements of, of the parts of their body by means of sensory organs, proprioceptors, and the muscles and joints, right? Mm -hmm. So what that, what that means and how we go about training that, right, is it you basically is you're training your proprioceptors. So that's, again, that's how you feel. Um, that's what you see, your ears, like all your, every, everywhere that you're using um, the sensory. Mm -hmm right? Yeah. Your senses to, to do these things. So really, I think what coaches have been saying for years, and they're saying the same thing in this way, is that you want to train your players to be athletes, yeah. right? Like athletes, like that's, that's the whole point. You want to train them to be athletes. Now, a part of that, I think that we blend that is that we think just by training um, athleticism, there's a difference between athleticism and the kinesthetic side. Right. Mm -hmm. And what that is, is be, be basically, again, just like you're saying, you can't go grab, you know, a wide receiver, you know, off the you know football team and just bring him over and he's gonna be able to hit. Now, he might be a really great athlete. He might be your fastest guy. Right. He might be able to jump out of the gym. Right. But that doesn't mean that he can play shortstop. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, like Mike Trout, he's one of the best athletes in the league. Right. He can play a bunch of different sports, all the stuff. You're not putting Mike Trout at shortstop. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, so there's those are different things. So what I would say with that is a lot of things that we do is there's a lot of, especially when it comes to the vision side, and that's something that we've been tapping into. We actually have, um, you know, one, uh, one, way our, our, uh, in, one of our interns is actually has their uh, PhD in neuroscience, right? 
Mm-hmm. And so we're actually tapping into that this summer. Um, and we're doing, we're basically applying a lot of the things. Uh, there's a lot of things that we've already been doing. And then now we're just basically, uh, putting studies to a lot of that stuff to actually get into depth on that more often, but just for starters. Right. Um, so one thing that we do, um, and that is for, is like decision training, right. Mm-hmm. Very important for, uh, shortstops and obviously not just shortstop baseball players and, you know, period. Right. How quickly can I make a decision? Because I don't know. Maybe I have to make decisions in a very rapid pace in baseball right? <laughs> and make decisions that are like an insane amount of time. Right. So yeah. we used to do, we, were, we were doing things. We'll have guys like balancing like this is an insane. This is a very high progression and not saying that guys, you know, a whole bunch of people need to do this. But we make players do um, think about it like your shortstops always doing like weird stuff like my shortstop last year would play with like would juggle off of the wall with like lacrosse balls. Like he mm-hmm. would just do random things that you're just like, dude, like, and if he didn't know how to do it, when he started to learn to do it, there's, he's just a better, he picked up when it came to skill acquisition, he's mm-hmm. just a much faster learner than anybody yeah. around him. He could yeah. pick, like, if it had to do with the body, he could figure out how to do it much faster than anybody else just by how he learned. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, one thing that, um, I started doing with him and I started, uh, we, every like week I'd come up with something like random. I'd come up with something uh, to challenge him. Right. Yeah. If it was juggling, if it was um, like one thing I do with players, we'll stand outside. I'll put different colors on a tennis ball and they'll face the wall and I'll throw the ball off the tennis uh, off the wall and they'll have to catch like a certain color with a certain hand. Okay. Right. So when it hits the wall and then the closer we get to the wall, the less time they have to react. Right. Or the harder I throw it. Right. Mm-hmm. The less time they have to react. Right. Or what we'll do is we'll get somebody balancing like on a again, this is a high, very high progression. But let's say we have guys like somebody balancing on a foam roller. So they'll stand on top of a foam roller, right? And then I'll toss them balls. And mm-hmm. I'll say, okay, again, everything that's red, you have to catch with your right hand. Every, you know, if the ball is this color, you got to touch, you got to catch with this hand, right? Yeah. And then I'll also change the weight of the balls, right? And I'll have some that are heavier than others. So like this also works with like um, another higher progression we do with uh, uh, plow care balls, right? We like, we, we use different weights, Right. So when yeah. I'm tossing them balls and they're having to think about the balance that that takes, right. They're constantly getting this external stimulus that they're having to catch. They're trying to balance on a foam roller. Right. And then, Oh, and also I take their shoes off. So then I take their shoes off. Right. <laughs> and then, um, I, I, again, we're doing a whole bunch of things that's making them have to make very rapid decisions. Right. And then also then off of that, you know, those, um, proprioceptors, Right. They got to understand, Okay, I saw red, but now I have to do this movement pattern. Right. To get to this ball. Right. And so to do that again, like that's and those are things that are very like isolated. Right. Like those are things that I've like you like I'm isolating that exact thing. But that doesn't mean that you can't do that on a baseball field. Right. And this is this is where it mixes on a baseball field. Right. So, for example, okay, let's say you're doing front toss. Right. Mm -hmm. If you're doing front toss, you can say, okay, I only want you to hit, you know, two seam when I toss a two seam. Yeah. Right. So now what you do is you make them create an insane amount of focus on the laces of the baseball. Right. And so what it does is, is again, you toss a four seam or you toss a two seam, right. And you know what you're tossing, right. You're holding the laces, right. So if the guy swings, right, you're then coupling, you're then coupling the, uh, what the guy is seeing with a action. Right. And yeah. so, um, in baseball, that's very, you know, obviously very important, right? If, if the guy is hitting, right, he's got to be able to, uh, 
um, we're, and this is something I'm going to steal this from our intern that, that has her PhD in neuroscience. She just said, she said the other day, she said, we're basically, we're basically like machines that are built to recognize patterns. Like that's what a human being is. Like we're, we're just, we're are amazing at recognizing patterns. Our pattern recognition is unbelievable. Yeah. Right. And that's where, you know, and that's very important through evolution, like things that we've developed, right? Like, Ooh, that looks like a fire. I probably shouldn't touch it. Right. <laughs> like, Oh my God, that, that, that's a big animal. Like that thing's probably going to kill me. <laughs> so like, Oh, Oh wow. That is a, a sharp object flying at me. I should probably get out the way. Right. Like yeah. things like that, like that thing's going to hurt me. Right. So like under putting those like basic patterns together and then like taking that, obviously we don't have to like, really worry about that on a daily basis anymore, but we can use that same system to train a lot of different things, right? Pattern recognition. Like when Miguel Cabrera is in a game and he sees a slider, he's not thinking he's reacting. Yeah. Right. And when he's, and he's, re, when he's reacting in that moment, it's because he's seen that pattern. He's seen uh, the shape of that pitch. That's why when guys have um, different spin rates or different um, can create different shapes on their pitches, why that can mess with hitters because we're so we we're we can recreate like patterns right if someone has if we see that same type of spin rate or if we see that same shape from a lot of different uh, pitchers right like it's like the normal of what uh, a normal range of what guys can do right then we're we're pattern recognition we have a good idea of where that pitch is going to end up in the zone yeah right anybody creates anything outside of that we don't right so okay how do we let's sorry I got off track everybody I love you guys so <laughs> I got back when we get, we get back to the field. What does that look like, right? What does that look like? So mm -hmm. two-seam, four-seam, toss, that's one example. Okay, how do we do that from a defensive standpoint, right? You could do it where whatever color of the ball is uh, put colors, like get a Sharpie right on the ball. Yeah. Whatever yeah, color of the ball, you're, mm -hmm. you're, throwing, you're throwing to a particular base. So you don't know where you're throwing to until you see the color on the ball, Yeah. right? So that, that then couples uh, a reaction of like, um, and again, this is part of a progression process, right? But you would then feel the ball and be like, okay, this is a blue ball. I'm throwing this to first base. Now, what yeah. does that do, right? Well, everybody would be like, well, like ideally I know where I'm throwing the ball before I get, you know, maybe that changes how I approach the ball. Sure. But how many times too does an athlete, when he gets a ball and he fields it and he looks up and he's like, oh man, that guy's going to beat me to second base. Now he's got to throw to first, mm -hmm. right? And then when he does that, he's got to be able to be um, an athletic and understanding, okay, he had a stimulus. That told him that the the play that he originally had planned wasn't going to work out, and now he's got to change. He's got to change and had to make a decision very rapidly in a game. How many coaches right now? You can go ahead and raise your hand. I'm looking. Um, <laughs> how many coaches right now? When a coach, uh, when a player planned to throw the ball to second base and then has to throw to first, throws it away. Yeah. How many times does that happen? How oh, many? Wow. How many times? Anytime we plan to do one thing and then something else happens, how many? How many times have you seen a player make that mistake? I mean, just happened. Uh, the day, did you see, um, and this is at a very high level. Um, I think it was, Ooh, I don't want to, okay. I'm not going to play this, place this on any team. Cause I don't know who it was, but it was a bad <laughs> move. Um, uh, the first baseman filled it and he was like a foot from the bag, but then try to flip to the pitcher running to it. And then, they, oh, yeah. uh, and they both like, it was just like both they're, of them at the same time. They were playing was, LSU. I can't remember who the team was, but they were playing yeah. LSU. Yeah. So it's like in that same, that same moment, it's like that, you know, brain dump that brain fart moment where they're just like all of a sudden like again those skills are very apparent in baseball and that happens like those anytime we constrain the amount of time we have to make a decision mm -hmm. the brain starts making mistakes right because it's just it's just you know it needs to make decisions quick rapid 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 yeah so 
you know, when we connect those things, those are some different ways, um, you know, with different stimulus that you can do um, in a game. Another thing that uh, you can do as well is like making guys react to uh, like words, right? So it's like, okay, look, guys, today at practice, um, anytime I use the word baseball, right? Mm -hmm. When I use the word, when I use the word baseball, you know, like creating a reaction off of that, let that be, um, if, you know, let's say you're like hitting fungos and the same thing. And I say, like, if you guys hear me say the word baseball while we're hitting fungos, you know, you're throwing to X target, like second base. Yeah. Right. Like, like the guys are throwing a second base. So why the guys fielding, right? Like, let's say you have everybody at shortstop or something, right? Um, like, especially if you're like a younger coach, like everybody's at shortstop, right? Mm-hmm. And you guys are throwing the first, you're throwing the first, you're throwing the first, and then maybe you just put an L screen at second base, right? Throwing the first, throwing the first, and then I'm hitting, and then I say the word baseball, right? Now that's a different, that's different than a visual stimulus, right? That's an yeah. auditory stimulus. Mm-hmm. Then you take that and you throw, you throw it to a different bag. Now, like, again, like those are all things where you're coupling decision-making, right? Because of that, you can also limit the amount of time they have to make a decision. It's not necessarily uh, that there you want, like, not everything will be like a direct transfer into game. But even then, I mean, let's think about it in the game. How many times were we we're hitting balls and you'll have like the catchers yelling to a different bag or we're yelling again where we need to, where we need to cut to or we're yelling, you know, all those different things like that does play. Yeah. Right. So you can set up situations where, again, that you're calling uh, different ways. And we definitely already do that in practice. But you can make that into an isolation where you're, you know, like that is the focus. The yeah. focus is on um, using, you know, different stimulus. And then you can up, you can upgrade that by saying, okay, now I have, you know, the, here's five words. If I use this word, you do this. If I do this word, you do that. If I do this word, you do that. Right. So then you're making, you can make it uh, very challenging in that way and also fun for players um, by, you know, really focusing on that and like, you know, taking advantage of like some of these skills. And like, look, Having a ping pong table doesn't doesn't hurt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, doesn't right. hurt. Put it in the clubhouse, you know, play, you know, foosball, very fine motor control, right? Shortstops always have very fine motor control. Right. Yeah. So giving them, you know, giving them things to do and uh that has very fine motor control and um, you know, and how much and how to apply force and like short, like short windows, like it's even even in like tennis, I mean, uh, yeah, like tennis is good, uh, but yeah, ping pong is huge. I think there's a reason why baseball players like ping pong. Like it's challenging, mm-hmm. but at the same time too, it has a lot of, I think it has a lot of crossover when it comes to that. Like I, I guarantee you, you know, like 80% of the people listen here, like if you had a ping pong table and you play against your shortstop and you have everybody play your shortstop, your shortstop would probably be your best player at ping pong. It's kind of you know, funny that, that you mentioned that because every, every, every team I played on the shortstop is always the best. <laughs> I was going to say, it's like, they're always the best at ping pong. It's unbelievable. Um, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, I, I think I think those, uh, for sure, those are some, like, isolations, some things that you can do on the field, um, some application kind of in that way of how you can apply it, of course. Yeah, I think that's all, you know, obviously very applicable for the coaches tuning in and the players. And obviously, like, some of the foam roller stuff, some of those higher progressions, um, just make sure that you have an understanding of the athlete and where you are and and work up to where you need to be and, Put some of that stuff into use and let us know what you guys think and and how you guys are also developing this in your teams. We'd, we'd love to hear and love to share. That'll kind of transition us into this next question, Joey, um, on the docket. This one comes from another former teammate of ours, Jacob Hudson. Uh, Jacob is the assistant coach, primarily working with the pitching staff at, at Brescia University. How do you want wants us to open up and talk about practicing and in, in incorporating a tough, kind of like resilient mentality during practice in the fall? 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I know he has a team full of younger guys on the mound and yeah. trying to develop and incorporate that kind of fun environment, but still keeping it competitive. So yeah. what, what are your initial thoughts, um, especially dealing with younger guys and trying to kind of set that tone early on? Yeah, no. Um, and you know, this first thing that comes to mind, um, is, you know, what they say is a lot of times you can't see something unless you have it in you already. And yeah. like, Huddy is a tough, <laughs> yeah, tough, you know, again, one of my toughest players, uh, no, teammates that I've, I played with, you know? Yeah. So, um, again, transitioning there is that, um, one thing that I think of is, and this comes from some of the like Navy SEAL, uh, books that I've, uh, really dove into, um, mm-hmm. as you know, when, how do you develop resilience? Right. And that's a, a very big thing that coaches are trying to do. So one thing um, that it comes with resilience and one that always got me. And when I started incorporating this into my players training, um, in a lot of different ways, I started realizing how much of a benefit it was throughout the season. So one of the, one of the trainings, and this is what they do to Navy SEALs when they're training Navy SEALs, right? Yeah. So what they do is they have this concept of called false summits, right? So a false summit is when you think it's about to be over, but then it's not, right? So this is what we'll do. So like, let's say you guys were doing conditioning, right? Um, when we're doing conditioning, sometimes I'll give guys uh, like, okay, like, you know, 30 seconds, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say we're doing whatever we're doing or the, at the time. Let's say when I, was, when I was coaching high school last year, right? So um you know 30 seconds so guys start doing it and it's like i'm like 10 9 8 7 6 20 <laughs> you know like yeah. start counting down from there like that is very mentally depleting right that yep. is very hard but again where does that transfer is in a game right you get two outs what does everybody do they start to relax right? They start to relax or, um, you know, get later in the game. And even though it's zero, zero, the game becomes more relaxed. Right. And so guys start like, they start shutting their mind off. Right. And we're not, they're not used to, uh, like a false summit. All of a sudden the team gets a couple hits and you're like, wait, hold on. You know, what just happened? Right. And, yeah. um, so there's, there's some of the transfer, um, in that way, but this is another way that I would um, also do that. Let's say that you're not doing those things. Um, a big part of that as well. Um, what I used to do is I created, I had a, uh, uh, a deck of cards that I used, right? Mm-hmm. And then I would write a whole bunch of situations on the card, right? And then we would inner squad. Now we inner squad every single inning. What I would do is I started to realize that a lot of times that our pitchers aren't in tough situations. Like a lot of times pitching dominates, yeah. right? But in the games, there's going to be situations where, you know, we're just in a tough position. Like even, you know, a guy boots a ball, you know, walk, hit by pitch, all of a sudden we got bases loaded, mm-hmm. right? Now what do we do? He's thrown, you know, five pitches and we got bases loaded, no outs. Right. So, um, in those situations, a lot of guys just like end up giving up, right. They're not used to being in that situation. They're not, you know, used to working out of that. Like that's a very, um, like how many times are pitchers pitching with guys on, uh, second and third or bases loaded or, you know, bases loaded. Like, you know, what times I got brought in in college where I was bases loaded, no outs. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing with my team, but I'm just saying, (laughs) you know, like I, I got brought in with bases loaded, no outs all the time, but I, my coach would call me in because I was good in those situations. Right. But how do we, how do we develop that? Right. So yeah. what I did and I started telling with uh, and, you know, this there's this mentality where in coaches, you're going to love this, especially the old school guys. But it's like, but it's not fair. Yeah, I'm, I'm tuning that out of there. <laughs> that's <laughs> that's that's getting that's completely out of there. So what I started doing is we started doing inner squads and this is how it was fair. You get to pick the card, right? Yeah. The pitcher or the hitter, right, gets to pick the card out of the deck. 
they picked a card out the deck and it says guys on second and third, two outs. Yeah. Now the other team's a static because they already have two outs, right? Yeah. But then you also, as a hitter, now you're getting, I'm putting them in situation, uh, situations because now they have to hit with two outs, second and third, right? That might not happen. That might happen three times the whole game. And maybe it's the same guy twice. And you know, the other nine guys are just screwed waiting till the next opportunity to, you know, for something to happen. Right. Yeah. So I was isolating those things. And so what I started doing was, and that was part of the inner squad. So like, let's say that pitcher gets up there. Right. And he, now he's only got to throw for uh, one out. Right. And some yeah. guys would transfer and some guys would say, yeah, but I'm trying to manage, you know, his volume and how much he's pitching. Okay. Look, you can do that. You can do that a couple, a couple different ways. First off, you don't have to do it directly on these days, but also you gotta, you gotta realize too, if we're trying to simulate game environments, dude, there's a very good chance, especially in high school that the kid goes out there and he, he gets out of the inning within five pitches. Right. Yeah. So if that at that, if that at that is five pitches, sure. Or in between innings, right. If you want him to up, keep up his volume, you just have him go throw in the pen and then come back out and throw in the next situation. Cause the next inning he might have bases loaded, no outs. Mm -hmm. Right. And then he's got to pitch all the way out of that. Right. So it could be even more pitches. So you can kind of manage it on the back end. Um, you can manage it on the back end too. Just at the end of time when he's done pitching, you can then go in the, you know, the bullpen and, and do some more, or, you know, again, maybe you do that for three innings and then on the back side of the three innings, you just do it straight up. Yeah. Right. So you could do it a whole bunch of different ways, but, um, you know, the players got a, a kick out of that because they were so excited, right? The guy pulls a card and then he's just like, it's like bases loaded, no outs. And they were down by four already. They're like, yes, like they already got put in a situation to come back. Right. Yeah. So, uh, there's some fun in there, but there's also, there's also that, uh, that same setup where like guys are very, you know, they get put in situations that are tough, right? Yeah. Like I didn't, I didn't create this. This isn't, this isn't fair. Like it's not fair. Like the last two innings we pulled a card. Um, and it was uh, guys on second and third, no outs, and then bases loaded, no outs, right? Yeah. And I got to pitch my way out of that. That's not fair. It's like, okay, well, yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, life isn't fair. Baseball isn't fair. Like, just, you know, <laughs> play the game, yeah. play yeah. the game. Like at the end of the day, and that was like one of my favorite uh, statements when guys made an error or when guys, uh, their body language started to drop or any of those things. One of the things I would, I always emphasize was play the game, play mm -hmm. the situation that is handed to you. It doesn't matter how we got here. Own it own it like you chose it yeah. right like own it like you pulled the card it doesn't matter how we got here play the game yeah right yep. and so like that was something that was something that we did uh and then the you know the false summits you could do all over the place um you know if that being you know uh we're gonna end practice and then also uh the guys started knowing that if i gave them a false summit and they started like groaning or whatever I'll, then sometimes if i would be like 20 and then like nobody would react nobody would drop their feet you know like let's say we're doing leg lifts right mm -hmm. nobody drops their feet after i go back to 20 nobody groans nobody does anything they, they're just mentally tough like okay i'm just gonna play the game i'm gonna yeah. act like i had 20 seconds the whole time as soon as they started doing that they started i'd be like 20 19 18 okay we're done right yeah. like yeah. If, if they if they react if they re if they don't react, then we're good, right? And and then also too, you can up that by doing multiple false summits, right? And you have to know how hard to push somebody, you know, at what stages, right? But like, you know, that those are ways, like just very small things, uh, you know, that that I used to do to isolate those things. Um, how about you, Bo? What do you got? Yeah, man. I mean, I agree with all of that. And you know, when I read this question, I examined it from like a complete overhead view of the entire program. I don't think this is something that you're going to be able to necessarily implement a stimulus and see instant change when random day at practice. I mean, 
Obviously, we can put our guys in positions to compete and to do the thing, but I think that what we're talking about here is more of the overall culture that we're creating. Uh, We can teach and practice toughness, but I think a lot of that starts early on in the recruiting process, and then the first couple days that we actually have the kid uh, on campus and you know, focusing on that recruiting, it's important to understand like what type of relationship values and culture you're setting and portraying to the athlete that you're going after. Uh, sometimes, and, and I saw myself doing this a lot, coaching at the NAI level, which Huddy coaches at, we just want to get the athlete on campus and then we can, you know, we assume that we can mold them into the player we want them to be, but that's not always true. And then you got to look for traits and characteristics you like because, to be honest, some of these college guys, they just are who they are, and, and that's okay. Nothing wrong with that. They'll fit in somewhere, maybe just not in the culture that you want to create. And then to add on to your pieces as far as, like, application, Joey, I think the controlled scrimmages are huge because, let's be honest, we don't always play um, in high-pressure situations in scrimmages, um, especially in some of those cold-weather states. Sometimes that pitching just dominates. So making sure that you're putting your guys in tough situations is critical. Uh, We also would get the guys involved when I was coaching by allowing the teams to come up with the punishments for the losing team. Um, The catch here was if your team lost, you would have to do your own punishments. And and obviously, as a coaching staff, we'd monitor that and and make sure the punishments were tough enough. But this is a good way to get the guys to buy in and have a little bit of fun. Um, Then the last piece I want to add is the importance to practice at game speed as much as possible. I mean, obviously, this isn't always possible with some of the monotony of the drills, but put a stopwatch on your guys. You know, make them get the ball out of their hand and make the pitchers execute PFPs at full speed. And and I think it's important to always allow friendly competition. You know, a, a, a little trash talk never really hurt anybody. And just do whatever it takes to get those guys to buy in and get as close to game speed like as possible because we've all been there, Joey. You know, the, the game speed's up on you. You kind of go into that fight-or-flight mode, and if you haven't trained at the proper level that you play at, like you mentioned earlier, it may be tough to all of a sudden turn that on. But, you know, by, by doing some of these things we've talked about, coupled with um, a few of the right recruiting classes, pretty soon I think the team will recruit itself, and then you'll have a pretty good foundation moving forward for these college programs. Um, as far as the high school level goes, I think you did a pretty good job covering that. Um, I would just imagine that it would be harder to create buy-in from a freshman in uh, high school as opposed to a freshman in college. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, it definitely depends. Um, and, it, and again, I think it's like the culture of the program, like they know what they're walking into. Um, you know, some of my most you know, bought-in players were the freshmen, right? Yeah. And then also, you know, uh, especially too, we took over a program, kind of get some context there. We took over a program that already had some seniors. Right. Yeah. So yeah. Um, there are some of those guys that are kind of used to the old culture. And so sometimes it's a lot easier just to build culture fresh. Right. Yeah. And it is to uh, try to change a culture that's already been developed. Right. So um, yeah. it definitely it definitely, uh, you know, definitely depends on that way. Uh, but you're right in the sense of that is like, yeah, did we do things that, um, you know, definitely uh, were isolated when it came to like toughness and developing toughness? Like, absolutely. Um, with that being said, with that being said, you're, it's a culture, it's an everyday thing. It's all of our interactions. It's, um, yep. you know, it's how we go about our business, about how we, you know, walk in and out of buildings and all the things that coaches talk about, um, uh, when they talk about like, you know, it, everything, everything translates, right. How you do something is how you do everything. Right. And, yep. 
So everything translates um, in that way that it is very important um, when you're, you know, there is a mental toughness. Uh, there is a mental toughness when it comes to um, how you handle yourself, especially like, you know, one of the things that I, we had Coach James on not not too long ago, right? Um, a couple mm-hmm. months ago. And he talked about, he, he talked about that as well. Um, you know, one thing that he always made us do, and this is, you know, not saying that you need to do this directly, but this was an example. Um, every time we walked in the buildings, we had to have our hat off, right? Yeah. Every building, no matter where we were, no matter if it was, you know, practice time, not practice time, we had to have our hat off. And let's think about it. Baseball players, how often do we have a hat on? Always, <laughs> like almost yeah. always. Right. So, um, he would, if they caught us inside buildings and we had our hat off, I mean, we had our hat on like, you know, either at some point there'd be, you know, punishment for it. Right. But that was something. Yeah. Okay. So what does, so what does that take? Okay. How does that have anything to do with mental toughness? Let's go back to that. Like that. We always had to be aware, right? We always had to be yeah. on, right? When we walked into buildings, mm-hmm. how we responded to everybody, like he, like we, yes, sir. No, you know, no, ma'am. No. Yes, ma'am. Right now. What does that have to do again? Does that have anything to do? Like I basically think of it like this. Like I used to talk to when I was, uh, you know, worked for planet fitness, one thing we used to talk to the staff about as I used to talk to them, like, okay, so look, customer service is not when, um, customer service is not when the customer is happy, right? Yeah. Customer service is when you're taking care of, uh, when it's tough, right? When you don't yeah. want to be polite, when you don't want to do those other things, right? And so that's where it takes on the same thing in the role of, uh, you know, how you handle yourself around campus that has a role of, of mental toughness is you got to do, you know, again, you have to do these things and you have to take care of yourself and you have to respond when it's hard, right? When, um, you know, when you don't want to uh, do things, but you have to do it anyways, right? Because yeah. that's the culture of the team. Right. That's the culture that, um, you know, that's why that's how you want to be viewed as a baseball team. That's how you want to be viewed as a program. Um, and everybody can take that again, not saying that you have to make all your players say yes, ma'am and no, ma'am and take their hats off. Just example of like how you want your, your players to represent you when they go into the school. Right. How are they talking to their teachers? How are they you know, what, what are they like when, um, you know, when it comes to disagreements with, uh, you know, the, the student, the teacher on grading? Right. How does that conversation go? How is that handled? Right. Yeah. Um, all of those things come back to mental toughness in that way that again, not letting uh, the emotion uh, control you um, and how, and, and again, those are the moments that are going to, um, you know, define your, your program. Yeah, I agree. And I think it's, it's important because culture and, and consistency and doing the right thing, it, it doesn't just stop when you leave the, 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 the field, like you yeah. have to create something and challenge your guys because you always have to chip away and always iron it out because it's not it's just like in life when when you graduate from playing baseball everything that you work for isn't just gonna you know stay on the field when you walk off like you're you're constantly evolving and you're constantly challenging yourself and you're constantly setting yourself up i mean it's it's a different stimulus it's not going to be a ball coming at you but in the future it's going to be a challenge there's going to be moments that you challenge your character and if you're not constantly working on that, then, you know, you're going to be in trouble. So I think for I think sure. it's important for coaches to do that. And I mean, you know, Dinkle did the the hat thing. Um, one thing Utah Valley did that I loved is they just made everything competitive. Like we'd start practice with a competition. We'd end practice with a competition. And usually sometime throughout the day, we'd have a competition outside of the baseball field. And it's just instilling who you are to where you know, it, it's become second nature. So I think it's yeah. important, especially, especially, especially in high school. I think high school coaches need to do that. So 
when these guys get to that next level, they are already custom and it's just who they are. You know, it, it makes your kids more recruitable. And I think you'll see a lot of those guys getting more opportunity at the next level. Yeah, for sure. And that's, that's, that's the, the whole thing just like you're talking about is, you know, that culture and everything you set, um, coaches have placed a big emphasis on it uh, for a really long time, uh, time and they know how important it is. And that's why it's so, um, you know, from day one, right? <laughs> Even before they get there, you're setting a culture when you're just doing those recruiting calls, yeah. you know? So I think, I think again, that stuff, that stuff, when you're developing character right there, like, you know, character transfers, right? On yeah. and off the field. We used to talk about that. Um, we used to talk about that. I remember us having a big, big discussion that one day uh, with uh, Kendall, another one of our teammates, right? Yeah. Talking about like, you are, you know, off the field, who you are on the field, right? Just yep. like different different parts of you. You're not a completely different person. It may feel like a completely different person where it's just a different showing of oneself, right? Like something like a light is being shined on one part of it. So yeah. Can I be motivated? Can I be more dedicated in one area than another? Absolutely. But you're still the same person. You're just, you know, you're highlighting a passion or you're highlighting something of, you know, like you're you're just motivated, right? But it doesn't mean that you're, you're capable of doing both. You're just, you just get to see what your personality is like when you're motivated and you want to do something. Or when you're yeah. not motivated, you don't want to do something, but you're still the same person. Yeah, absolutely. And and shout out to our guys, Brad and Huddy. Uh, we appreciate you guys reaching out. And hopefully Joey and I did an adequate job answering those, didn't ramble too much. But um, guys, keep your eyes open for these things, for for the unfilters in the future. We we want to get you guys involved. We want to give you guys a voice. And, and obviously, you'll get a shout out through the airwaves. So keep your eyes open for that. Yeah, absolutely. Hey guys, um, you know, this is, these are great opportunities for you guys to, um, not only to, I mean, guys, you know, if anything, it's like marketing, self-marketing yourself. Uh, we love to promote you guys, ask questions. Um, and you can also, you could also, I think it brings across, you know, uh, great things like, uh, Bo and I bring things to the table, uh, when it comes to some of these conversational uh, pieces, but the biggest part of all of this is going to, is always you guys, right? Yeah. What you guys want to know, what you guys want to learn, where what is, you know, what is the direction um, that we'll take and how can we best benefit and bring value to you, right? That's how it's always going to come back to um, and the self-marketing of your guys' self. You know, there's a lot of, there's a lot, a, lot, a lot of great coaches in the sense that they're doing a lot of great things, um, but you guys just like I know, you can be doing a great thing and if you're not getting, if there's no awareness around that, right? The more, the more you can put yourself out there in the sense of the value that you're bringing to your players, um, the value that you're trying to provide other coaches, those are all great things uh, to help yourself keep, continue to move along in the game um, and continue to push the game forward. So um, make sure you stay tuned to these. Like Bo said, uh, send us questions when these pop up. Um, we're, we're excited to hear from you guys. Make sure to check over at our website. We have that free membership uh, that we created with all those different resources for you guys throughout the uh, throughout the website. There's also, uh, you know, codes on there so you guys can get discounts um, on a lot of different vendors. Uh, make sure to take advantage of that. I know uh, Bobby just texted me, uh, Tewksbury just texted me the other day, said he took took advantage of one of our, um, our silverback, you know, codes. So definitely take care of that. Uh, there's a lot of things on there that you guys can utilize and it's free. So um, make sure to go sign up for that. Check our store out as well. We have, we have our uh, shirts and our hats. Uh, go check those out. But from us and our partners over at Yakutech, until next time, Farm System out.